So they got him. The guy who allegedly stole from his place of work, the military, all kinds of very sensitive national security secrets and shared them with his friends online, a bunch of gamers. Um, is that espionage, by the way? It's not like he gave it to the Russians or the North Koreans or the Chinese, but a bunch of guys he played video games with. I don't know what it is, but it's definitely illegal. It's definitely serious. And he's in a lot of trouble. These are allegations at this point. He's under arrest, in custody. Here's the FBI. They showed up at his uh, home, by the way, a few minutes after, after the New York Times got there. Yeah, more on that in a moment. Who is this guy? Uh, his name, Jack Teixeira, 21 years old, an Air National Guardsman, recently promoted so the documents that he posted online, first he was writing summaries, we're told, just summaries of the stuff, and he couldn't get any of his friends to read it, so then he started posting the actual documents. Let's go through some of the secrets, details on Ukrainian military strength, U.S. intelligence gathering efforts with uh, our allies and adversaries, and U.S. involvement in Ukraine, i.e. special forces on the ground in Ukraine. A lot of folks did not know about that. Anyway, this uh, person is in a lot of trouble. The attorney general himself, Merrick Garland, in his own kind of cagey way, made the announcement. This goes on for about a minute, but uh, something a little odd about it. I'm joined today by Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco and FBI Director Paul Bate. Today, the Justice Department arrested Jack Douglas Teixeira, in connection with an investigation into alleged unauthorized removal, retention, and transmission of classified national defense information. Teixeira is an employee of the United States Air Force National Guard. FBI agents took Teixeira into custody earlier this afternoon without incident. He will have an initial appearance at the U.S. District Court for the District of Massachusetts. I want to thank the FBI, Justice Department prosecutors, and our colleagues at the Department of Defense for their diligent work on this case. This investigation is ongoing. We will share more information at the appropriate time. Thanks, everyone. Did he have lawful access to these documents, sir? And he's out. There he goes. Whatever happened to a press conference, questions, answers? He could say no comment. He could say, I'm not ready to answer that at this time, but a little something. This is, after all, a democracy. He's not elected. He, <laughs> I don't like that. Do you? It's not fair. And uh, even Democrats are raising big questions about all this. This is, uh, his name is Haim, and he's from Connecticut, Democrat on the Intel Committee. Let's talk for a second about the arrest and the story that you just ran, right? The New York Times knocks on his door. I mean, I just, you know, I've spent a lot of time around the intelligence community, a lot of time around the FBI. I spent a lot, you know, I have a lot of respect for them. But the New York Times beat the FBI to this person, right? And the reason that's serious is because what if he has suitcases full of documents and he's in the process of sort of sending them out, mailing them out, faxing them out? What if he hands all those documents to the um, to the New York Times? Now we've got sort of an interesting constitutional issue. And so, you know, I'm still... I'm, I'm Still, as you can tell, not exactly a calm about that fact. Yeah, nobody is. It's very strange. And the FBI, once again, not impressing us. FBI, whew, do they need an overhaul or what? Showing up. And by the way, their uniforms? I've got something to say about that in a little bit. Uh, there is a lot of shock that 
a 21-year-old service member had access to this kind of information. Um, there always is this kind of shock whenever there's a young spy, and there are a lot of young spies in recent history. But anyway, here's a dose. There are a lot of questions inside today's Pentagon press briefing on how such a young airman had access to such highly classified intelligence. Well, as you pointed out, Brent, he's very young, 21 years old. Uh, you're not exactly the old man of the sea, pal, but uh, this is how it works in the military. When you're young, you get a lot of responsibility. Sometimes it's misplaced. And every time this happens, um, there's shock about how young these spies are. And sometimes they are young. In the 1980s, the Walker family, the son of the main spy who was arrested, was just 22 years old. More recently, uh, Chelsea Manning, I mean Bradley Manning, I mean Chelsea Manning, uh, 22 years old. Uh, remember commuted, sentence commuted by Barack Obama, available for a speaking engagement on your college campus right now, believe it or not. All right, so this uh, individual is alleged to have shared it with a bunch of friends in a chat group. You can't do that, obviously, uh, and our national security seems to have been affected. However, not motivated, it would seem, by the traditional incentives in spyhood, if that's a word, spyhood. The spies go off of these incentives. Are you ready? They have an acronym for it. It's called MICE. And this is understood in the intelligence community. Uh, money, ideology, coercion, and ego. These are the things that drive your typical spy. Sometimes all, sometimes one, sometimes in this case, maybe none. I heard that he wanted to impress his friends. I mean, could that be ego? But normally when it comes to ego, they're talking about, you know, some clerk in Langley, Virginia, being able to thwart an entire country's plans. That is ego-driven. This, maybe not so much. The FBI placed him under arrest, and I'm glad he's in custody. These are very, very serious charges. But once again, and this seems to be a thing with federal agents, why don't they mark up their uniforms appropriately? I'm sorry, but I didn't see anything that said FBI. I saw one. It was in very dark lettering. You're supposed to identify yourself more clearly. I, I see it all the time. Case after case in uh, federal agents, federal officers. I mean, these guys look like Antifa who went to Home Depot, maybe. It should say police right on their equipment. Too often they don't. And actually on January 6th again. I mean, who were those guys just standing there? Take a look at this. Letting this happen. It was weird that they didn't do anything. And it's also weird if you take a look that it doesn't say police right on the front of that equipment. And federal agencies, for whatever reason, do that all the time. We'll keep an eye on this case in the meantime. Donald Trump back in New York City today because he had to be deposed again in a lawsuit launched uh, by our state attorney general, the very unimpressive Latisha James. She knows very little, especially about real estate. I am certainly no expert, but I used to live in the neighborhood of this building, and this is the one that she's really hot on. By the way, I'm told that Donald Trump did not take the Fifth Amendment and ran circles around these people, and I'm not surprised. Okay, one of the big components of this lawsuit is the valuation of uh, a building Donald Trump still owns, 40 
Wall Street. Um, Letitia James, in all of her wisdom, thinks this building uh, in 2011 or so should have been worth $200 million, should have been valued at that. Donald Trump, in documents, apparently put it at $524 million. Letitia James thinks that's too expensive, but anybody can do this. If you look at the comparables, other buildings selling at the same time what they were going for, Ordinary, not iconic buildings were selling very much in that price range, okay? <laughs> Some considerably more. So I don't know what she's talking about. And, oh, here's something. The post office in Washington, D.C., you know, the Trumps, they don't actually sell many properties at all. They hold on to them and they operate them. But they did sell the Trump Hotel on Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. What did the Trumps value that building at? They valued it at $290 million, okay? That was the financial condition. It sold for $463 million. So one of the few properties they've ever sold, they apparently undervalued and uh, made a lot of money on it. Good for them. Eric Trump was on the Carl Higby Show, which is a great show, by the way, 5 p.m. weekdays. And here he is. You see that time and time again in Washington, D.C. People go in like tough guys and, you know, I'm going to make a great difference. And then they break them. They break them moment one and they could never break Donald Trump. And frankly, it's why they're they're mad. The other reason they're mad is he's leaving the Republican field by 35 points. Right. And like, you know, no one else is even there to touch him. So they're doing the bidding of their guy in office who will likely be running against him. They're trying to disqualify him so Joe doesn't have to run against him. It's amazing, right? That, what he just described, that's undemocratic. That is the threat to democracy. So it's Tish James up against Donald Trump. I have a feeling I know who's going to win this one. And when he becomes president again, and that is my hope, I'm pretty upfront about that. You know, that's my bias, if you will. Um, he's going to take on the weaponization of the justice system. I will also order the Department of Justice to establish a task force on protecting the right to self-defense, which is under siege nationwide. In addition, we will have a complete investigation into the use of police state tactics by federal authorities to arrest conservatives and Christians. We will find out who ordered it, and we will hold them totally accountable. There is much more that we must do. We have to confront this radicalized law in schools, you take a look at what they've done to our schools, our beautiful schools. We have to reform the far-left bar associations and stop the purge of conservative lawyers from major law firms. I will do whatever it takes to save our legal system among the greatest achievements of Western civilization from the Marxist barbarians who seek to destroy it. And we will do that. We will save it. Thank you very much. The Marxist barbarians. I love it. I love it. All right. When we come back, Joe Biden's bizarre spring break odyssey to Ireland continues. And I have a prediction about this man. Be back in a moment. So thank you all. God bless you all. Let's go. Let's go lick the world. Let's get it done. Lick the world. He didn't mean let's go lick the world as in let's go beat the world. That would be pretty bad if he meant that. Uh, I think it was just another 
weird thing that Joe said, and he says them a lot. Look, this trip to Ireland it should be kind of a really easy thing to do, but he's making mistake after mistake. Um, he really shouldn't be there for this length of time. And something clicked while he was gone. I realized my prediction, he is not running for president anymore. He's not running for re-election. This is his last hurrah, an international trip where he is not a lame duck president. He went ahead and took Hunter. Uh, that was kind of a giveaway. Why would you take Hunter on this trip? And Hunter is acting like a rock star. There are some things going on here. Now, Joe realizes, back to Joe for a moment, that there are three reasons really why he can't run for re-election. Issues in the brain department, the boxes thing, the classified documents, that's real. And China, the money coming from China. BBC, brains, boxes, and China. He can't run for re-election. So he's enjoying himself on this trip. Does that make sense? Because this trip actually does not make sense. And we're seeing, again, all the, all the mistakes. Now, who's waiting in the wings? I don't know for sure. We have Kamala Harris. We also have Gavin Newsom. He seems to want it real, real bad. Uh, however, he is a white male, and that might be a problem who is heterosexual. Um, but it's not going to be Joe. I can feel it. Can't you at this point? Uh, California, he would say this. I know what he would say. Here's, here's something for Gavin. You see all the blue counties? Each of those blue counties is actually bigger than the state of Delaware. Uh, California obviously dwarfs Delaware. He'll say he has the exec executive experience to be president. And there's something else about Joe that's telling me he's not running again. The Bidens want to settle scores while they still have the power to do so. OK, so Hunter Biden and his top lawyer, uh, Abby Lowell in Washington, D.C., have been firing off letters. The president's son sending letters to the Department of Justice, to the IRS, to the Delaware attorney general, demanding that investigations take place. The president's son demanding agencies investigate private American citizens. Uh, who remembers John Paul Mac Isaac? He's the guy who found Hunter's laptop. Hunter Biden, this has not received nearly enough attention, uh, we request an investigation into John Paul Mac Isaac. Uh, they believe he was accessing, copying, manipulating, and or disseminating Mr. Biden's personal computer data in violation of the law. A request like that coming from the president's son? That is not appropriate, obviously. Uh, to the IRS, we request that the Internal Revenue Service review the tax-exempt status of the Marco Polo USA operation, whose sole member is Garrett Ziegler. Uh, these guys have done remarkable research uh, into the laptop, and they found all kinds of interesting things. Now, the president's son wants the IRS to investigate them. And Hunter wrote the attorney general of Delaware, Again, trying to give that John Paul Mac Isaac guy a hard time for his laptop. This is totally inappropriate, should be illegal, probably is illegal, but it happens. And the media, they're okay with this. They don't even know about it. They're so incurious about the Bidens at this point. Um, now, back here in America, this guy, Justin Jones, one of those Tennessee lawmakers who's been such a... I don't know, over-the-top drama queen about everything. Uh, he caused a problem. They kicked him out. Now he's back in. Um, this is what he sounds like. We called for you all to ban assault weapons. 
and you respond with an assault on democracy. The most very basic thing was to ban assault weapons so we can stop these mass shootings. Instead, they responded yeah, by assaulting Yeah, this guy, democracy. all right? He talks a big game about democracy. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> we got him on tape at a Black Lives Matter uh, riot assaulting people. Here he is with the white hat on. Now he takes this cone, tries to stop this white truck, and... Pretty soon, he's going to assault the driver. He takes the cone and thrusts it right in the driver. Those cones, you can hurt somebody with that. All right? They're exchanging words. Later, he says, oh, he was saying something racist toward me. Uh, nobody believes that, oh, by the way. And pretty soon here, again, he's in the white hat right next to the woman with the red shirt. He's going to get angry. They're trying to stop him. That's a bad place to be. Look at what he's doing with the cone. That would hurt. That could, that, that's assault. That is assault right there. There's no uh, debating this. The guy in the white hat is Justin Jones, who is now so self-righteously running around all over the place talking about democracy. He was arrested, but like so many other Black Lives Matter protesters, rioters, the charges were dropped. What a piece of work this guy is. All right. I got to go back to Ireland for a moment and Joe Biden. And this happened with a dog today. You see that? The dog does not like Joe Biden, was barking at Joe rather viciously, actually. Uh, dogs, they say, can really sense somebody, right? Now, do you remember when Joe became president, they made a big deal about Major and Champ, right? Joe had two German Shepherds. Never saw him before, never heard about him, not during the campaign, but... There they were, all over the Oval Office. Even Jill Biden was petting that dog. And I didn't know that they were dog people. And I don't think they are dog people. Something very, very suspicious about this dog stuff. Well, thanks to Judicial Watch, they actually sued. And they got all kinds of paperwork, 400 pages of government documents about the dog situation. Uh, Major intercepted a Secret Service agent, bit down on the left forearm, I mean, this person was actually pretty seriously injured. They took it quite seriously at the uh, Secret Service. Next, please. Briefly turned back on Major and the dog bit a second time on the right buttock. One of our Secret Service members, uh, a text exchange was uncovered by Judicial Watch. Unknown official, you okay? Someone told me you got bit. Uh, yes, I got bit by Major. And no, I did not surprise the dog doing my job by being at the press. A lot of this is redacted, by the way. The press secretary just said, now I am P-I-S-S-E-D. Thanks for checking in. Yeah, the White House was saying that, oh, the dog uh, was surprised as if the Secret Service agent did something wrong. Yeah, they tried to be all cutesy about it at the time. Remember? Is Major still there? There's a report that he left. And did he bite somebody? Does Major bite? I, I don't have any uh, I don't have any specifics. I don't have any updates for you, Mika, on on the reports about about an incident. But what I can tell you as a dog lover, I know you are, is that Major and Champ are part of the Biden's family. Uh, they're members of the family. They often go to Delaware when the first lady's traveling uh, and they're adjusting to their new home. I don't think those dogs, unfortunately for the dogs, were part of the family. I think they were ostracized. So Joe made a big deal about adopting the dog at the Humane Shelter. Notice what it says on the wall, making friends for life. Well, 
not exactly, because they got rid of that dog. They got rid of that dog. After consulting with dog trainers, animal behaviorists, and veterinarians, the first family has decided to follow the experts' collective recommendations. They're always blaming somebody else. That it would be safest for Major to live in a quieter environment with family friends. The whole thing was weird. Now, what did they do? They got a younger dog, a younger, newer dog. Uh, I know people, human beings have been through this sometimes, replaced by somebody younger. That doesn't feel nice, right? Um, anyway, uh, Joe has always been kind of strange uh, about this dog situation. Something has always been up. Take a look. There was one point where Joe had a boot on his leg. Everybody remember this? It was in December of 2020. I know this sounds trivial, but there's something deeper going on here. Now, how did he get that boot on his leg? He actually had a bad sprained ankle. And here's his explanation. Blame the dog. What, ha what happened was uh, <laughs> I got out of the shower. I got a dog. And anybody who's been around my house knows, dropped a little pup, dropped a ball in front of me and for me to grab the ball. And I'm walking through this little alleyway to get to the bedroom. And I grabbed the ball like this, and he ran, and I was joking, running. You're not supposed to grab a dog's tail. He was running in an alleyway. The little pup, it's not a little pup, it's a full-grown dog, dropped the ball to play. Um, this, if you lie about the small things, you lie about the big things. Next. And what happened was that uh, he slid on a throw rug, and I tripped on the, on the rug he slid on. That's what happened. <laughs> That's not what happened. That, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Pulling on the dog's tail. You're all slipping all over each other on a rug. I knew something was up. The dogs, quite frankly, did not look well cared for. I made this observation at the time. Did you see the dog? Let's get, I want to show you something I noticed. Doesn't he look a little, uh, little rough? <laughs> I love dogs. But this dog needs a, a bath and a comb and uh, all kinds of love and care. I've never seen a dog in the White House uh, like this. I've, I remember Buddy. I remember Millie. I remember lots of dogs, but not a dog who seems, I don't know. I don't know how much love and care he is getting. This dog looks like from, I'm sorry, from the junkyard. And I love that all dog. Right. I do love that like dog. And I love dogs. But I knew something was off about the whole arrangement. By the way, after I said that, the... Uh, left-wing media totally flipped out. How could you ever say anything about that dog? I love the dog. I, I, at one point, though, he wasn't even wearing a dog collar. And now we hear about the Secret Service agents and the tension and all this stuff. So, And the dog barking at Joe Biden today. Look, thank you to Judicial Watch. Tom Fitton is going to be do joining us in a little bit. If you'll mislead us about the small things, you'll definitely mislead us about the big things. And that's what's happening here. Whatever happened to Major O, by the way? What neighbor, what friend took that dog? I still love you. I'll be right back. Hey, guys, it's Carson for Gold Alliance. If you're concerned about how Washington's latest shenanigans may impact your financial future, this is an important message to hear because right now we have a stock market correction. We got high inflation, Fed rate hikes happening all the time. Some experts say a recession may sweep the nation, and folks who fail to prepare may face challenging times ahead, while gold owners may have a historic opportunity to grow richer. Now, if you'd like to learn a simple way you can diversify with gold before an economic downturn comes, if you'd like to put yourself on the road to financial peace of mind, the new 2023 Gold Guide from our friends at Gold Alliance can show you how. 
Here's what you got to do. Just go to www.freegoldguide.com slash Carson. Freegoldguide.com slash Carson. Or you can write down this number, 800-247-9236. 800-247-9236. Or again, go to freegoldguide.com slash Carson. All right, the post office. Uh, they do a great job, in my opinion. Yeah, people grumble about it from time to time, but... It's kind of amazing. You put something in a box on the corner and goes across the country for less than a buck. And oh, by the way, their workload has increased a lot with Amazon. Everyone's ordering Amazon, and a lot of it does go through the post office. This is Gerald Groff, an ex-mailman. Um, he was a great employee, uh, but there was a problem. They wanted him to work on Sundays. Now, the thing is, that violated, well, his religious rights, he says. He thought that Sunday should be the Sabbath. He did not want to work on Sunday. Offered all kinds of accommodations. For a while, the post office was working with him on that. And then they said, you know what? You got to work on Sunday. No dice. And he said, well, I'm going to work somewhere else. And I'm going to file a lawsuit. That lawsuit is about to hit the Supreme Court. Randall Renger, chief counsel for the Independence Law Center. He's co-counsel for this ex-mailman suing the United States Postal Service. It goes to the Supreme Court next week. Sir, welcome to uh, Newsmax. Are you guys ready? We sure are. All right. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Excellent. Well, look, you heard my kind of broad summary of things. Uh, did I get it right? I mean, that's the deal. He, it's, it's, it's a fairly kind of cut and dried case why wouldn't they accommodate him? I mean, I didn't even know the post office was open on Sundays. Well, the post office wasn't open on Sundays when he first got his job, so it was a perfect job for him at the time. He came back from being a missionary, and it, it worked perfectly. And they worked with him for a while. Amazon then decided, hey, we're going to start delivering packages through the post office. He asked for an accommodation for his religious beliefs. At first, they worked with him, and everything was fine. Then the post office changed its mind. So it it was clear that it could be done. And, and you just think there's so many things in life that, that go back to what we ought to have learned in kindergarten. Like, how do we get along with other people? How do we make it work for people? And what Gerald wants is just the ability to, to be able to keep his job and keep his faith at the same time. Something that the post office could have pulled off, but it didn't. But it comes back to... Uh, a legal issue shouldn't have had to be a legal issue, but it comes back to to interpreting uh, our, our Civil Rights Act here in, in America. Right. And how much protection we're going to give to employees. Federal law, I believe, says these rights, religious rights must be respected. But at and maybe you could translate the Latin for me at, at de minimis cost. We will accommodate you, but it can't cost us too much. That's the that's the principle. Right. Uh, for well, any well, that, employer. That's, well, that's the principle. What, what the Supreme Court said before in a case 45 years ago, it said, yes, the Civil, the Civil Rights Act requires that, that an employer accommodate, reasonably accommodate an employee unless it's an undue hardship. But then this, this decision, TWA versus Hardison, said, well, that just means that if there's anything more than a de minimis burden, so just the slightest burden, but that doesn't really that doesn't really provide the the balancing that that we understand is necessary in order to to work with each other. We know how to work with each other in other settings. 
And in fact, the Americans with Disability Act uses the exact same language, reasonably accommodate unless it's an undue hardship. Yeah. We know what it means there, and it means something a whole lot more. It means unless there's significant difficulty or expense, which yeah. makes okay. sense of the language, undue hardship. But Let me ask you this. Do you sense any anti-Christian bias now, which quite frankly is a, is a thing? It wasn't a thing, and now it's a real thing. Is that at work here at all? I, I think there's just a callousness oftentimes to people's, to people's religious faith. It's different than what I think. Hey, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with Gerald, so who cares? He's not going to work on, on Sunday. He's not a team player, but that's not the case. He was a team player. He would work every holiday. He would work every Saturday. He would work for people's vacations. He would... He would work sometimes more than one shift a day it just because he was a team player. He made it work. And guess what? The post office isn't any better off not having Gerald. It's harder for them to deliver the mail now than it was back then. So it's not doing anybody any good to not figure out a way to make it work. Um, yeah. I mean, the post office is now open seven days a week. He doesn't have to work seven days a week. What were his days off? What did they suggest? I mean, Tuesday and Wednesday? <laughs> I mean, well, I don't understand. He had to get a day off. Why not make it Sunday? Uh, well, yeah. that and, and for him, he was so close to, to that happening. He was he was working for a senior for a, a position that required just a little bit more seniority. He was almost there. And if he probably would have worked three Sundays, you could have got there to uh, to a better position. But when you got convictions, you have to stick with your convictions. And so for Gerald, that meant I, I, I can't keep doing this. So he wasn't trying to game the system. He ended up changing post offices because there was another post office in, in Lancaster County that wasn't doing Amazon packages. He shifted to that one. He bought himself a year, but the problem came came to him there as well. Yeah. Well, listen, good luck in front of the Supreme Court. This is a big deal. He fought it, goes all the way to the Supreme Court uh, next week. Oh, by the way, a film recommendation. I don't know if you've seen it, but Chariots of Fire. You must know it, the Olympic uh, runner was in the same boat. The big race was on Sunday. I forgot what the it, co they worked out a compromise, I think. Do you know, do you know well, that story? Yeah, they, they did. They accommodated him. He, they gave him a different race. Um, a race that he hadn't actually trained for, but he came and brought the gold home to Great Britain running that other race. There's and, a and whole movie, that, a whole movie about this very issue. I think it could be updated uh, with somebody playing your guy and maybe even you. Uh, fascinating stuff. Rendell, I'm sorry, Randall Renger, pleased to meet you. Chief counsel at the Independence Law Center. Good luck and our very best to Gerald Groff, the ex-mailman and maybe a future mailman if everything works out. Thank you, sir. We'll Absolutely. be right back. You bet. Okay, this is who they were looking for. Uh, the person who allegedly put all of that classified material online uh, for his friends, for his friends. His name is Jack Teixeira, 21 years old, an Air National Guardsman. The documents, well, uh, very, very serious, very, very sensitive. Details on Ukrainian military strength, U.S. intelligence gathering efforts uh, with our allies, on our adversaries, U.S. involvement in Ukraine. 
This young man is in a lot of trouble. Fred Flights joins us, senior fellow at the America First Policy Institute, former chief of staff for the National Security Council. Fred, welcome back. Um, are you surprised that it's a 21-year-old guy who joined the National Guard, it looked like, uh, three months ago? Are you surprised? You know, I wish I'd like to say I'm surprised, but, but I guess I'm, I'm not because this is an example of how far too many people have access to sensitive intelligence without a need to know. This guy accessed something called the Joint Chiefs of Staff J2 Intelligence Daily. 5,000 people have access to that. And he probably accessed it, and I know this from my time in government, through something called Intel Link. It's a, it's a classified internet. Tens of thousands, maybe up to 100,000 people have access to that. So I'm disappointed that someone so young had access to this. I think it's outrageous. But we got a real problem that we're not protecting sensitive secrets and we're giving people vast access uh, to stuff that could get people killed that they have no need to know. So, uh, and we've seen this before. I remember spy scandals. I mean, the Walker family, remember that in the 1980s, the young son was involved, 22 years old, sensitive documents. Uh, how about Chelsea Manning or whatever, Bradley Manning, back and forth, uh, 22 years old, had all kinds of access to documents. This does come up kind of, it's a perennial issue. It keeps repeating itself. And the, the, the establishment really hasn't made any significant changes. No, that, that's right. And look, in this new electronic era, there's supposed to be auditing. When you print something out, when you access something that you don't have uh, a reason to open, there's supposed to be a record and there's supposed to be accountability. He was repeatedly printing out stuff he didn't have, didn't have uh, a need to know, and nothing was done about it. And, and, and I think that, you know, heads should roll over this. I want to show you something. It's an acronym that I hear the intelligence community and even law enforcement is familiar with. It's, it's the MICE acronym. And these are the motivators that typically drive um, spies. Uh, they do it for money sometimes or they do it for ideology. You know, they like communism or something like that. Or somebody forces them, blackmails them into doing it. Or they do it for ego purposes like I may be a clerk in Langley, Virginia, but I'm actually, you know, rearranging uh, the planet Earth. Uh, which one of those do you think applied to this person if he actually did it, which he probably did? I, I think it was ego, and it, it, go, it addresses some other issues. First of all, we have to do better vetting and, and really scrutinize people who have access to this material. There has to be outreach to remind these people to honor their legal obligation to protect secrets. They, they swore an oath to protect them. And there has to be much more aggressive efforts to not re-up people in clearances and to investigate suggested leaks. The intelligence community hates investigating leaks. They love sharing information to make some friends, but they hate counterintelligence to, to go after problems when they crop up. Do you cut this guy any, I don't want to say slack, but is it perhaps not as severe because he didn't walk into the Russian embassy as some spies do? That's a big first step. Aldrich Ames did that. Um, Mr. Walker did that in the late 60s. They go right in and they say, I want to sell you secrets. So he didn't do that. And it looked like he was selling it, uh, not selling it, but just sharing it with friends. He did not realize it was going to go global. He probably should have. Does that mitigate it at all? And believe me, if he did this, I think he des deserves 20 years at least. But does that mitigate it a little bit? I think his age, the fact that it was ego, 
uh, the fact that he'll probably be perceived as a stupid kid means he's not going to get the tough sentence someone would get who was trying to sell intelligence for millions of dollars, but he's still going to get a pretty tough sentence. All right. And um, we will see what happens next. One other thing. You know, we haven't punished a spy in a very long time in a significant way. We mentioned Bradley Manning. Chelsea Manning is now free. Barack Obama commuted, I think, a life sentence. And Chelsea Manning is available to speak at a college near you. Edward Snowden is in Russia selling books. I mean, it's been a long time since a high-profile household name famous spy went down. Or maybe I'm missing one. Uh, there, there are some high-profile uh, spies who are still in prison, prison for long sentences, but you're right. There are these other examples, I, I can't think of their name offhand, but uh, of people who really should have been prosecuted uh, much harder and should still be in prison. But if, if you're 21 years old, you probably don't remember Aldrich James or Robert Hansen and that kind of stuff, and maybe yes, they got to drill it into these guys. They're never getting out. Those are two good examples. And they, they belong there. My gosh, so many people died because of those maniacs. Fred Flights, we so appreciate it. Uh, senior fellow at the America First Policy Institute. Go to AmericaFirstPolicy.com. Thank you, sir, and I'll be right back. All right. Well, it's a pretty impressive uh, picture, but those dogs were terrorizing Secret Service agents. Bit a whole bunch, caused all kinds of trouble and all kinds of drama behind the scenes. Take a look at this. These are just some of the documents relating to, no kidding, the dog's misbehavior at the White House. Tom Fitton has discovered uh, all kinds of secrets and documents that the government did not want us to see. Uh, but his great group, Judicial Watch, actually is pursuing this as well, getting to the bottom of what the heck happened and why did they, how did they handle it, why did they handle it. Tom, welcome back. How are you and why this? Why is this important? I, I'm curious, but why did you guys choose this? Well, because the Secret Service agents who and White House staff there who are putting their lives on the line for the president and the staff at the White House is being attacked. They're, they're being attacked first by Major. The White House lied about it, tried to pretend it wasn't an issue. They ended up having to remove Major because he was attacking the Secret Service. We got the documents showing the White House was lying about it, withholding information. And then he got this new dog, Major, excuse me, Commander, you know, and we got a, we got a tip. He was, he's out of control too. And we asked the Secret Service because we knew there was something up. Uh, do you have records about dog attacks, essentially, by commander? And they said, yeah, we've got records, but we're still waiting for them. So we sued. Well, you know, good. And we want these Secret Service agents, right? You know, they've got this tough job protecting the president of the United States. They shouldn't have to worry about being attacked by his dog. I mean, that goes without saying, just in terms of workplace safety. But secondly, you don't want them to be distracted from doing that, that, that very sensitive job protecting the president, where they have to worry about this dog going out of control. You know, I, I remember the story about Major. You know, Major just shows up in the room with, I think it was Jill Biden at the time, and, and just launched across the room at the Secret Service agent. I mean, so this is not like they, they run into the dog and the dog nips them. Uh, previously, Major was, at, you know, chasing after the agents and attacking them. I don't know what the detail is with Commander, uh, I do know they're sensitive about it because they're hiding it from us. 
You know, um, being bitten by a dog is actually a traumatic thing, and it can be quite painful, and it can affect your health. It's actually no joke. Um, I'm wondering also, to me, it kind of it, it, it highlights that this whole thing with the dogs and Joe may have been a bit of a myth. You know, they they didn't have children in the White House, so they wanted they wanted a mascot. They never really owned the dogs in the first place. I know that's not what you got to the bottom of here, but I just thought the whole thing was a bit of a scam. Um, do you agree? Or are you suspicious as well? You know, I don't know. Uh, you have to remember when it comes to a dog, it's the family dog. It's not a Defense Department dog. It's not a CIA dog. We can't, you know, we can't blame this on the deep state. Uh, certainly the Secret Service leadership should be protecting their people better in terms of being willing to defend them in public and highlight the abuse. Um, but, you know, there were reports just recently, Greg, I don't know if you saw that uh, uh, President Biden was trying to minimize and suggest that he didn't believe that Major was all that bad in terms of the series of attacks he was involved in. So, you know, I understand why an order gets defensive, but, um, you know, it's his dog, it's his family dog. He's responsible and he doesn't seem to care. Either he doesn't understand the danger his dog is putting others in or his dogs have put others in and um, or he does and he doesn't care because he's Joe Biden and it's 10 percent for the big guy. You know, that sort of attitude. So I was actually bitten by a dog about 10 years ago and my hand still hurts. It was a German shepherd. It was a military working dog and didn't nip at me, but clenched down. And actually, it still hurts. And I know people laugh at, oh, it's just a dog. It's not a big deal. It's actually kind of a big deal. I don't think that uh, if those dogs were socialized, if they were really in the Biden household, uh, they wouldn't have been acting like this. So something is very strange. Uh, well, wait, you know, well, and some dogs could be very, you know, they, they could be socialized when it comes to Joe and Jill. But, you know, German Shepherds, you get the wrong German Shepherd, like any type of breed, a breed, aggressive breed like that, potentially. All bets are off. And it's not just Secret Service agents. You know, the, the, fam the first family is taken care of by a whole host of, of staff there at the White House, and none of them should be put at risk by this dog. And we know they've got records responsive to requests about dog attacks, and they're hiding it from us. And so again, as far as I'm concerned, right now there's currently a safety issue at the White House for government uh, workers with this dog. And who knows, maybe even Joe, maybe even uh, Jill. I mean, if he'll, but um, usually it doesn't happen to the owners. Well, look, again, if you'll lie about a dog, you'll have no problem lying about uh, Afghanistan. I really believe that. Judicialwatch.org, check it out, at Tom Fitton on Twitter. Thank you, sir, and we'll be right back. No crooked, crooked establishment. None of that twisting, twisting the truth. truth. No talking down don't to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell, tell me how to think. think. They let, let me decide. Newsmax. Real news. For real people. Thank you very much. I will see you tomorrow.